It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined by Matt Kendrick this evening, Saturday 19th of February. It's quarter past seven currently and we always say before we start these, let's try and keep this to half an hour and I've got a strict rule that a quarter to eight (laughs) this evening, we will be finished because there's not a lot to talk about this afternoon, is there? A very, very disappointing afternoon at Villa Park for us all. Um, before we get into it, Matt, obviously Villa nil, Watford won, is, is disgusting to say. Um, I had a few tweets when I said that this was coming at kind of seven o'clock, you saying, oh, you know, fair play for you for doing this. You know, I don't envy you at all. And I kind of said, well, this is my part of my job. I don't have a choice. I don't want to be sat here talking about Villa losing games to Watford either. But, you know, like I said, this is our job, so we don't have a choice. So with all that out of the way, Matt, your general kind of feelings before we get stuck into the game. Are you as sad as everybody else? I love how you get people really excited about that podcast by saying it's just because you're contractually obliged. Um, <laughs> it's fun when we win in, isn't it? I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was bleak, wasn't it? I thought I thought first half, it, it, it was just a bit kind of not bad enough to really moan about, but not good enough you know, against the team in the, the run of form that Watford was. And I thought, naively, I thought, yeah, you know, Gerard gets us playing in 45 minutes at a time and then you'll get into him at half-time and crank him up and, and you know, we'll win this by a couple of goals, you know, kicking towards the hole. The first, the second half was just woeful. It was absolutely woeful. And I've been thinking about it and thinking, well, was it a kind of smash and grab? And on possession-wise, you'd probably, probably suggest it was, but I've just reacquainted myself with the highlights on YouTube before I come on here and they've had the, the clearest chances let alone the goal they've had the one from Dennis in the first half where they've cut us open quickly and he's mm-hmm. um, forced to save from Martinez they've had the one when Sizoko probably should have squared the ball on the break in the second half and, and smashed it into the side netting after the goal they've had the one where Josh King is again denied by Martinez I don't think Ben, ben Foster's you know, had to get a glove to the ball? Hardly. Certainly in terms of, of, of saving a shot today. Um, we hit the post so, as well at one point. Say again? We hit the post, didn't we, at one point? Did we? I think so. Did we not? I don't know. When was <laughs> I that? Like we did. We did, didn't today? we? Yeah. I'm sure we hit the post at some point. I mean, I've not literally not long got home. I've not seen anything back. I've, not, I've seen one quote from Gerard saying basically it wasn't good enough. I've seen it in the stadium live and that's it. I've not seen anything, but I'm sure we hit the post. I can't tell you who it was, but something telling me we hit... I mean, the comments will tell us, as always, uh, we're live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter this evening. People will tell us whether we are right or wrong. Has yeah, he I've, Jeff? Got I've, I've got a feeling we hit the post at some point. Ings, maybe? Ings hit the post. Yeah, there we go. Oh, we sorry. He did. Yes, sorry. I forgot. Uh, offside. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you yeah, would have been offside, yeah. That was... <laughs> that's that why we've all forgotten about it. Closest chance of the, of the first half. <laughs> Um, I guess yeah, not, you're still not offside. Oh god. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean the interesting thing for me was was Gerard came out post Newcastle 
and said, you know, that's not acceptable. You know, we, we need to be better. I'm going to make changes. And I thought at the time, I thought, oh, yeah. Well, you can't <laughs> oh, yeah, think what changes, because, don't you? Well, he's made what, you know, we knew that that, that, that Watkins was, was probably going to get the old heave-ho and, and England was going to come in. But I didn't really think he would make many changes because I just, uh, I think he knows, and this is where he's got a, a, a summer summer rebuild of, of sorts to, to, to get stuck into. He knows that, the players that the thirteen, fourteen players that he is using and putting on the pitch most most regularly are his best players, and they're just underperforming. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he he feels equipped to put put to make three or four changes in there at the moment. But for them to deliver that performance when Gerard must clearly have got stuck into him over the last week, it was it was really disappointing. But having said that, he's the manager; he's got to take responsibility as well because. That system, when you've got a team, you know, we saw when Leeds, Leeds left spacing behind, could be super, super clinical. But when Watford have come for a have come for a draw, I don't think even they intended to score, but they've come come for a draw and and put eight or nine behind the ball, and that's their prerogative because they've got to try and battle battle their way into some kind of form that's going to save them. We just didn't didn't look like stretching. Just didn't look like stretching them at all. To, to on Gerard's comments, me and my dad said afterwards, like you almost wonder whether he kind of said that about making changes, almost in the heat of the moment last week, and then almost lived to to regret by what he said because we're now all looking at it, going, "Well, why didn't he make changes? He, he said he was going to." So then you wonder, you know, why even say that in the first place? And we're doing our predicted lineup, sticking Morgan Sanson in there, potentially Ashley Young coming in, and you kind of think. Oh. Ashley Young coming in for cash, or what would be the point of that? Sanson for Louise was another kind of semi-obvious one, but then that never materialises to the point that Sanson doesn't even get off the bench once again. It's just strange, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm trying to kind of half-talk here and read the comments at the same time, and I will address a few things in the comments as we go on. You look at that side still, and as much as the momentum of the game and the atmosphere and all those kind of things, the, the side that's finished that game, Watkins there, Ings, Bailey, Wendia was on the pitch for a long time, Coutinho, Ramsey, McGinn. That front five, kind of five or six attacking players that I've just read off there can't even score a goal against Watford. 15 points, Watford. That's that's poor. However you dress it up, isn't it? Whatever changes you make. Well, that's, that, those names that you've just read out there is the best collection of players probably Villa have had since... Probably talking about the O'Neill days. Like when, Petrov, Milner, Downing, Young, Gary, we were, Barth, Barth, Gary, Gareth, Barry, yeah. Carew, Gabby. That, that's the comparable one, isn't it? Probably. It is the best. It is the best selection of players that we've had since then. Now we've had some bleak times since then, so that doesn't suddenly make that collection of players players world beaters. Um, but it's just. <laughs> The Gerard thing, I don't want to get too stuck into him because he's only been in the, the door a, a, a couple of months. But <laughs> to me, comments. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that, that's people's prerogative. But to me, the thing that he said last week about making changes is something a manager says. Mm. And I, I thought Gerard, I didn't think Gerard was a kind of manager who said something a manager Do you know what I mean? I think uh, I thought that he's been so honest and so blunt in a lot of his assessments and seeing games the way we've seen them that. If he says something, you know, he, he, he's going to do it. But I don't know. It's, I mean, what was, is it one win in seven? No, is that right? The the winner Everton so. was, was the only win in seven. And 
it's not good enough because we didn't, you know, when he came in, there was a short, sharp shock and having lost five or six games on the spin under Dean Smith, he really injected some some fresh fresh ideas, some fresh impulses into that dressing room. I don't think we, we all expected to go and win every week, but we expected no. from this little mini run of games against New, against struggling Newcastle, against here or there Leeds, against struggling Watford, we expected more than a point. Um, and it's just <laughs> miserable. It's just it's well, a really miserable return. I said that I said this. I mean, we could pretty much say what we said after Newcastle, to be honest. But you looked at that run of four games this, this month and you kind of said, I would be happy with nine, but there's no reason why you can't get 10 or 12, minimum seven. And now we're looking at a maximum of four. And that's counting on us going away to Brighton next week on the back of a bad run and winning, which, you know, it's easy to get carried away, isn't it? And go, you know, when's the next win coming from? When's the next goal coming from? You know, we're not scored against against uh, Newcastle and Watford back to back. All the stuff pre game about Watford not winning for X amount of games, not scoring under Roy Hodgson. It's got 1 0 Watford written all over, hasn't it? It's, it's peak filler to be the one that breaks that record. But. As much as you can, you know, want to blame Gerard or blame individual players, the players that we just read out that, that started for Aston Villa versus the side that started for Watford. I know football's not played on paper, but on paper that side is enough to to win today. There's only there's only so so long we can keep saying, well, there's a summer window coming up. We can spend another hundred million. Start getting the best out of the talent we've got. Oh, I agree. It's, it's like you know. Thinking every time you, you drop a little bit of bit of wine on your carpet, you got to get a new carpet. You know what I mean? It's not you can't keep doing it. You can't keep clear. You can't keep clearing out and starting again. Villa should be at a, a stage where they're not doing mass mass revamps all the time. They should be doing pretty much like we thought they were doing last summer in terms of two or three tweaks to to make the team better and to re- improve areas areas of weakness. I think think the Villa. I I don't think that Villa squad is really quite quite ready for top six seven mm. but equally they should be a lot better than the performances that we've seen in the last few weeks and what what do you think this this sides this current squad and, and Gerard as well what do you think that that the ceiling is is it eighth is that the best we can do is that squad capable of, of eighth it's or is it... because you, you know probably just sneaking top half but tenth or eighth might be the difference one victory you know, over the over the end of the season, and if you know, if they finish tenth, but they're they're one point behind eighth or three points behind eighth, is that does that make it any worse a season? I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the the other thing that that struck me, and I think someone's mentioned this in um in the comments on a, on a previous podcast, is you know, we, as football fans, we like to kind of draw parallels from what's happened before and that kind of thing. But that conceding of a comfortable lead against Leeds very reminiscent of what happened against Wolves and the hangover that followed. And it's, mm. we can't get stuck in this rut again. You know, the reaction should have come at Newcastle. It certainly should have come today. Uh, and that is on Gerard. And, you know, yeah. he has, he has players at his disposal to get more of a tune out than he, than he's getting in the, in the last few weeks. Um, and he won't want. He'll have been embarrassed by that. Or he should have been. He should have been. Well, yeah, but we said that. we said all the same things after Newcastle, though. Kind of have, you know, the quote that has come out today is that I've had a really honest conversation with the players, and I feel like the you know, the same theme happened after Newcastle. You know, must do better. We know we weren't good enough. The staff know it. The players know it. It's under par. Blah blah blah. Because all the same's happened again today, and I know you can't just fix everything in in six days or whatever it is since the the Newcastle game. 
but there's you know a lot of talk about you know we just, we need to start quicker we need to come out of the box fast and all that and yes potentially we'll talk about the VAR thing very quickly in a second they come out and potentially get a penalty in the first couple of minutes and if that you know that goes in it is a totally different game you would imagine that doesn't go your way but you still then got the rest of the game to break down a Watford side at home how many times have we just come out of a game and a defeat and we watch a Geraldine issue and he says you know what there we weren't good enough we need to do better I'll have honest conversations with the players. So, you know, there's a, a line between talking the talk, isn't there? You've then got to go and deliver it in a match. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, he came in in a blaze of publicity and probably a kind of nervous, unsure excitement about his about what he could do. And I must admit, I was one of the cynics. I wondered if it was a, a fanboy appointment from, from Christian Perslow. And then probably seduced a little bit by a couple of victories um, and listening to listening to Gerard and thinking he seems switched on you know what I mean he, he, he seems like he won't he, he's, he's a man with a plan you know he can he can be ta- 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 tactically adept and he's also that kind of got a little you know we saw didn't we his celebrations for the first couple of wins and hugging his coaching staff and stuff like that and thought well he's almost like the kind of perfect blend because he's he's savvy enough to to be able to get the team to play in in a way that can you know he can hold their own against other Premier League managers but he's also got a bit of that kind of English grit British grit and, and, and passion that we all, all all crave for um which is fine when things are going well but when things aren't going well you've got to you've got to try and find a way to to quickly fix it because We've seen, I don't think it's just an Aston Villa thing, but we've we've seen how quickly a kind of little mini crisis can, can grip grip teams, um, mm. and even whipping boys Watford who couldn't buy a win, uh, couldn't buy a goal, yeah. can can sniff that little bit of you know if you're not quite on it, teams will come and get you. Um, Gerard knows this. He's he, he's played hundreds and hundreds of games in the Premier League, so you know I don't think he's got his SPL hat on. I think he knows what he knows what he's up against, but you know, it's it's his name above the door. He's got to sort it out, sort it out quite quickly. He's a man in a hurry. He wants to go places. He he's never known failure before. I mean, I'd be interesting to see. I de- doubt he's had a kind of winless run like this before in his career, mm. because he certainly wouldn't have had one, you know, as a player. And I doubt in the SPL he would have done so. It's probably as much of a rut as he's been stuck in before. So it's it's over to him, him and his coaches to go and fix it. Before we get into like the massive kind of inquest into like you know what's going on, who's at blame kind of thing, I just want to go back to the comments about what, what Villa's ceiling in. People saying, oh, I'm clearly suggesting we're going to finish eighth. I don't mean we're going to finish eighth this season. I mean, if you played a, a season, just kind of simulated it ahead. People like Leon Bailey, Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins, Emi Buendia, Coutinho, they all score more than the goals they've got. I think Dannings and Watkins have got nine between them. On paper, they're 15, 20 goal men, men aren't they? This that, that squad is capable of finishing somewhere between 10th and 8th, I think. Right now, in the former in, yeah, you are lucky to be kind of 14th, 15th. That's poor. That's underachieving what the players are capable of, I think. I don't think we need to go and spend 150 million to get new players to finish 8th. I think this squad, if they're on form, could do it. Just to clarify what I said before, I mean, you might still think I'm clueless, but I'm, I'm not saying we're going to finish eighth this season. Um, just going to today, like I said, before we go into the, the big inquest, did you think that was a penalty in the first two minutes? It looked it, I thought. 
at first. We saw two two replays on the big screen. That doesn't happen very often. No, they normally kind of hide those from from public view, don't they? Um, it did it did look a penalty. I've not seen I've not seen it back since I've, I've returned home. Uh, so I've been interested to see what, what what people thought. He didn't seem to 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 get much or any of the ball to me. Um, I don't think the ref. It looked like they weren't even going to look at it until the players got 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 into the ref a little bit and got round him a little bit. Um, but even so, that's that's three minutes into the game. If it's not given, which is not given, you've still got another eighty seven, eighty eighty eight minutes to 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 try and score a goal, and just didn't look like it did it. And I remember saying after the Leeds game, I can't see a game when this this Villa team they've got such attacking an abundance of attacking talent. Can't see a game when they won't score. Um, Two games later. Since then. <laughs> Two games later, when we're going to score again? Yeah, it looked like, again, I've only seen it in real time and those, those replays in the stadium. I imagine they were checking it, but there's just a big kind of delay and then it suddenly pops up, oh, checking penalty, and then like 10 seconds later, no penalty. So you'd assume they were looking at it you know, during that time when there's a bit of a wait. I think it came up, checking checking penalty, and then literally as that came on, they went over to take the corner. So you're like, oh, they clearly yeah. know this is going to carry on anyway. Uh, it looked a penalty for me, but you know, someone just said hey, Mo Salah gets a penalty in that situation, hundred percent. Yeah, if that's Man City or Liverpool, feels like that'd be a different story. Um, yeah, but all, yeah, like you say, today that that probably be the least of them, to be honest. Yeah, that's low down. You've got the rest of the game to, to to fix up and sort things out. Again, you just wonder why why you go from even the Leeds game. I know we threw threw those two goals away and after being through one up. You play well, and there's at times you think Coutinho or Ramsey were you know, absolutely clinical here. Even just from that, a couple of weeks ago to now is is crazy. But the, the, when Gerald first came in and you win four out of six or whatever the, the record was, and you look like you know you really start to change things and you're having these nice kind of triangle passing and bombing on your fullbacks. How have we gone from that to losing one nil back to back against Newcastle and Watford? How does that happen? I don't know, just, it's interesting, you know, that as soon as a new manager comes in, it changes things around, you know, you're on your best behaviour and stuff like that, but do people become comfortable? You know, he's, again, like I said, the guys, James and Pat, have got a, a better tactical appreciation of the of the game than, than I have, but is Gerard setting them up correctly? You know, if if he's got a team that, that can't stretch stretch a, a, an out-of-format of confidence Watford team any more than they did. And li- listen, Villa had loads of the ball and I think had a, had a, a reasonable number of efforts on goal. Was it, was, it, was it just one of them on target? I think I think I heard on the radio that it was 20, 20 shots, one on target or something like that. I don't know whether it was as much as that. But like, there's people saying, you know, we, we were poor, like we were at Newcastle. I felt like it was a better performance than the Newcastle game. I think we just looked abject in that. We never really looked like scoring today, which is, is a problem in itself. But you still kind of thought, you know, we're on the ball here. You, you know, you, 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 your wing backs are bombing on. Kind of looks like we're, we're we're trying a little bit. I don't think it's down to effort and stuff like that. I just, I don't know. It's just, I think it's been slow. Not from like a pace perspective, but just getting the ball forward. It seems to take us ages to, to kind of transition up the pitch. And you're kind of thinking, where's the support here? Or Dan Ings will drop down to to help a cross come in or whatever, and then there's no one in the box. And it's just strange watching Villa, I feel like, at the moment. And again, you just said James and Pat would be tactically better to assess what I've just said there. But it just feels like Villa aren't really doing anything. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that any better than that. Yeah, they do, do seem to move the ball quite slowly. And you know, often you'll find a pass goes behind somebody rather than 
into into their path, and it gives teams, you know, especially teams who are set up with the intention of, of being very defensive, it gives them ch- chance to to get set. And it doesn't mean, yeah. you know, it means that they're not being turned. They're always calling you know, the defenders are always playing the way they're facing, and it just makes it easier to de- to defend against. Um, I think the thing that um, the thing that struck me today was, and this is probably a bit of sour grapes for me, but I thought Watford were very similar in their time wasting approach to the Watford that came a couple of seasons ago when we, we when we <laughs> scored that goal, that winner in the last minute. I don't think the ref was strong enough to to clamp down on it. Um, yeah, the ref is poor. It, it is sour grapes because they're fighting for the lives. Why wouldn't they come and be streetwise and do whatever they can to win the game? But it's probably a bit, a bit petty of me. But I thought Roy Hodgson, one of the great gentlemen of the game, he wants he wants a team to be associated with that. Who are kind of you know the six minutes of stoppage time. I think the ball's only in play for two minutes of those six yeah. because every single time. They were kind of feigning, well, I say feigning injury. Who knows? Because there were then those players that were going down were going off, were being subbed off anyway, so they could wind the clock down, down even more. Um, but my highlight well, of the match was when um, was when Martinez dragged um, dragged yeah. Dennis back to his feet. <laughs> he went off injured after that, isn't it? Did he as well? So that there's clearly something wrong with him. I think um, so. Not great to, to dragging him around if there's something wrong with him. But yeah, Watford have done that under. Uh, 10 managers since they came a couple of years ago. So it's not like a managerial thing. It's just that's what Watford do. It must, the senior players amongst the, the squad, people like Ben Foster, Tom Cleverley, must kind of go, you know, what, when the chips are down, this is what we've got to do. And it's very frustrating. That last game when you nick the late winner, you kind of go, yeah, stick that up, you Ben Foster. Thanks for all that time wasting to give us that extra time. But today, it, it is frustrating, but they're fighting for every point. They're one enough away from home after not scoring in, in four games. They're entitled to do it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's up to Villa and Stephen Gerrard to use that that 90 minutes to break them down and get ahead in the game so they don't have the opportunity to time waste. You know that if we play a so like that, or Burnley when we have to play them you know, still twice this season, if they go ahead, they will time waste to make it difficult for you to get out there early and score first, make them open up. That's the way to deal with it. I know it's not as easy as just saying score a goal then, but Villa should be better. No, that's their prerogative. Like you say, the the the, the nameplate on the manager's door at Watford changes every couple of weeks, but the, the manual, the time wasting manual in the top top drawer, the Chester <laughs> drawers clearly clearly remains. Um I mean they were poor, weren't they? They they looked yeah. Watford to me looked like a team that were relegation fodder, but today Aston Villa yeah. they were relegation fodder. Yeah, and we've given them six points this season. That they've only got about, I don't know, 17, 18 points and the six of them are from Villa. That's, that's, that's crazy. He's right. I think a third of the points have come come from Villa this season, which is grim, really, isn't it? Really yeah. grim. I thought the atmosphere was poor again today as well. And I know we, we have this debate over, you know, got to feed off each other. If the players players perform, then the atmosphere will rise. And if the atmosphere is good, then the players will 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 feed off that. But I thought it was I thought it was flat all the way through. I think it was I think we turned up turned up at Villa Park having seen 20 minutes, 25 minutes of, of really good football against Leeds. Um, having seen on the television, most of us a, a crap performance at Newcastle and thinking there'd be a, quick, a, a really strong reaction to it. And I think knowing the form Watford were in, well, probably, you know, maybe it's me being complacent. I thought we, we'd go and win by a couple of goals quite, quite easily. Um, mm-hmm. But it just didn't pan out like that. And I just thought it was, it was flat. The, the team were flat. The fans were flat. And two months ago, the roof's absolutely been ripped off the place. Um, 
and today it's just you know is this become another listless slog towards 40 points is that is that what we're at is 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 that what this season's going to be Hmm. We'll talk about a points target in a second. I, I did say we'd be finished by quarter two, but I mean, we always end up running over. So well, let's go, go through a couple of individuals, not from the start 11, but the, the subs and what you kind of just thought of the substitutes generally. I think obviously made, made the three changes. Watkins got half an hour-ish. Uh, Leon Bailey gets on as well. And somebody Ashley else, Young. Ashley, Young, Ashley Young comes on for cash. She was on a yellow card. And again, there was talk of Ashley Young starting games. It's always the, the players that aren't playing, aren't they? That, that are the, the magic solution on the way back saying, oh, why isn't Courtney Hawes giving a go? Why isn't Sanson giving a go? And then Bailey comes on and does nothing. Ollie Watkins comes on and doesn't really do a fat lot, to be honest. Uh, Ashley Young comes on and apart from a, a bit of organisation and stuff, you know, it's still 36-year-old Ashley Young playing right back. If You know, is that, is that the best we've got kind of thing? Is how, is how I would assess that. Um, what, what was the thinking behind Ashley Young coming on for cash? Don't know. Cash was on a yellow, so maybe risk on a yellow most weeks. But that's the, that's the only thing I think of. Like, people are saying about he was being terrible and he should have been dropped after Newcastle. I didn't think he was that bad to be. If the alternative is Ashley Young at right back, I mean, you know, I think you just you just carry on with cash there. So I don't think there was ever a chance of him not playing. Um, but yeah, subbing Young on with 20 minutes ago, whatever it was, don't know what that offered really. I just couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand thinking behind it. And if it was because uh, Matty Cash is on a yellow card, well, he's been on a yellow card for three of the last five matches. And at a time where Villa's, Villa's build-up was, was too methodical and slow and need to give Watford, need to get behind the Watford defence, I thought, thought it was... Thought it was very strange um, when he when he came on and we had a free kick. I think Dina kind of put it put it left of the post, and it, Young was really having a go at the Watford um, wall to get back and point to the ref. Oh look, they're not they're over the line. That kind of thing. I thought my my only thought then was he's been brought on for this kind of thing to kind of get in the ref phase, wind them up a little bit, try and be that kind of professional to go, you know, do this, do that. That's the only thing I could think of, and that was a stretch of a, of a reason why bit of a head to get on there you know like the dirt the, the dirty side of the game the game management yeah. kind of stuff get back at Watford kind of try and wind them up a little bit as well <laughs> but yeah that's that's not a great reason for bringing on a 36 year old right back is it yeah I think you know he's he's switched off for, for the goal as well yeah you know, he's got you know got absolute acres to I mean I don't, it, that goal was a, another kind of recipe for disaster really I think Chambers has gone to win the ball you know, towards the halfway line and, and not got there. It's gone past him. He's out of position. I think Villa have still had a chance to get set and, and, and get rid of it. But I think it was Dean on the on the left side who didn't get didn't didn't do anywhere near enough to stop the cross. And then your man, it was Dennis, wasn't it, who scored? He was in in absolute acres to to bury that. And it was just a ridiculous goal. I thought we were heading for nil nil. To be honest. Mm. I didn't think Watford would have that, you know, even on their little kind of dangerous breaks, I didn't think they'd have that much ambition to want to go and win the game. Um, but that was, it's another one of those where we've just gifted a team the points without them having to to really, really cut us open um, or work hard to cut us open. So I thought the young one was, was strange. Um, I thought Watkins... Came on for the first five ten minutes, looked looked lively. A couple of times when the balls bounced back off him, when we could have done with it, it being under control. It's a real. I can't quite get my head around it because I thought Ings was good for the first fifteen twenty minutes, then then faded a little bit after that. 
Um, obviously, he had the penalty shout and he had the one that you remind, kind of reminded me hit the post. Um, Watkins, Watkins and Ings don't tend to work as a two. Neither one of them can really take the opportunity to, to prove that they need to be the main man. Um, and who else came on? Bailey? Bailey, yeah. Um, Nothing. Oh, Bailey at the end, I've just remembered. Two things from Bailey. Point. That was the that, that one chance at the end when he's just not even controlled the ball for thir- I mean for any professional footballer in a moment of need poor but for thirty million signing that we've got all these hopes for it's not even control the ball and get a shot away is grim and that corner he took as well the last couple of minutes I think Martinez when it hits the first man I mean hitting the first man off a corner is criminal and, it, and there's some kind of stat that corners aren't quite as good as you think they are only like 4% to scored or something like that yeah. but to not even get past the first man in the last couple of minutes as a professional footballer it's so grim and you kind of look to Leon Bailey as like this exciting talent on the bench you know got a bit of pace we almost even don't really know what he offers you know Watkins on the bench Bailey on the bench that's exciting they can change a game and they come on and don't change the game so not as exciting they as you can. think they can but they didn't today no, but that's what I mean. That's that's the frustrating thing about it. These these are good players. These are players with a with a proven pedigree, either already in the Premier League in the case of Watkins, or in the Bundesliga in the case of Bailey. We've got you know Ings, who's been one of the Premier League's kind of most dangerous, most potent marksmen for the last three or four years. We've got some. We've got some really, really fantastic players, and there just seems to be a collective malaise that has that has taken over them again. Um, mm. Yeah, it's grim. It's 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 really really grim. What what's the what's the next few fixtures look like? Is it Brighton and Southampton? Brighton, Southampton, West Ham. I think potentially West Ham, Arsenal, something like that. So again, not like terrible, terrible fixtures coming up. But it's kind of, I mean, you'd have looked at Newcastle and Watford as a winnable ones. We've lost them both. And I suppose if you then go and beat Southampton and Brighton as crazy as that sounds. Uh, at eight o'clock this evening, you kind of would suggest that maybe you'd won the other games and lost those two. So points from a points perspective, you're kind of on track still. Um, but there's a lot of talk about relegation and stuff in the comments and on the radio on the way back, and you kind of think, oh, surely not. Like, surely we're on, we're on 27 points now, 14 games to go. I think it is. Let's say you need 40 points, which you won't. You won't need as many as 40. If, I mean, what do you need to win there? Four games to get to 40 points, like get you to 39 points. Like, are we really not going to win four games in the next 14? Like, I know, once you lose a game, you kind of go, oh, we're never going to win again. We're never going to score again. Like, we could win one, lose three, win one, lose three, win one, lose three. And that would be a terrible run to the end of the season, but you'd be safe. So it would take an absolute disgusting run for us to be relegated. Yeah, listen, I don't want to tempt fight and jinx it. I can't, I can't see a scenario where where we, we collapsed that spectacularly. But the fact is that three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we were probably thinking, can we sneak into the top eight? Or <laughs> you know, can, can we get a train? And it's it's a villa thing, isn't it? Always at your most dangerous when you actually think that think that things are things are in order. Um but I don't know, I don't I don't wanna be I don't wanna be too, too doom and gloom because I think we need to treat Villa on the expectations for this season rather than the expectations that signing Coutinho and Steven Gerrard arriving and Christian Perslow giving it the big the big sell when the managerial change was made whenever to October, November. I still think we need to judge it on this season. Now yeah. 
<laughs> judging it on this season, I still think Villa can finish tenth. I mean, where are we? Where are we now? So twelfth, twelfth with five points, five points off tenth. So it's not beyond the the realms of possibility. And I think if we finish in the top ten, I think we're about on par. So yes, there's. Been, yeah, it sounds silly, Dan, but if that run of wins that we had when Gerard first came in would have been spread over twelve games rather yeah. than six games. That's what I mean. You could win one, win one, lose three, yeah. draw one, win one, lose three, and you'd be absolutely fine from a relegation point of view. You'd still look at that and go, Christ, we're losing a lot of games here. This is grim. Um, coming here, staying up for our expectations, you lot are deluded. We won't beat Brighton. We won't even touch the ball. Burnley went there today and won 3 0. Burnley that never scored goals. I went to, to Brighton at Brighton and won 3 0. And we were just going, oh, I'll just write Brighton off. Forget it. Let's not even turn up. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to go there and absolutely turn them over. But I just don't like it when you lose a game where you have a bad performance and people go, well, let's just definitely, we're definitely losing the next one then. Because what if we do go to Brighton and, and win? Then what? Oh, I just don't, I don't get that. Like, you go into every game expecting that this is a chance to, it's a fresh 90 minutes. Like, you can't just write yeah, off games just for the sake of it. That's it's football fans, isn't it? You know, you just, yeah, I just don't get it. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's like going into Sainsbury's and thinking that everybody's going to think the same as you. You know, people treat the support of a football club or or whatever the match they experience, and if they want to be more glass half empty, you know, there's days when when we, you know, towards the end of that that first season in the Premier League, I'd given up. I've, yeah. I've, I thought we were spent force and. But it's not great. We've, we've been missold the dream so many times at, 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 as Villa fans that we just think, come on, is this the one? Is this the time when we, we back to where we think we should be? So it is disappointing and it is frustrating. Um, my nephew today, I don't think he'd be watching now because he's, like, he's going out with his mates. But, you know, turn into a proper evil, evil little sod and you're thinking, Alex, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> just calm down. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's because I've, you know, this is not my first rodeo. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've been yeah. over, I've, I've been over this ground a, a few times, and it's it is grim because we're just teetering on the brink of something good, and then it falls flat on its arse again. Um, so yeah. People react oh, yeah. in a different way. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating. I'm not saying it's like everything's hunky dory. I'm just saying I'm not going to watch Brighton next week and go. Oh, I'm not even going to turn it on because we've, we've definitely lost. That's just. Silly. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask about about Gerard because there has been comments like this whole thing saying Gerard's out of his depth. Uh, I can't believe Perzo appointed him off the back of a, a Scottish title. Um, Gerard out, etc., etc., etc. Not the man, new manager, please. Again, not for me, but like like you've literally just said, people can say whatever they like. That's what um, you know, we, do, we do this on social media. Everyone's got their own account; they can say what they like. But. Do we have that, that kind of lift under Joe when he first comes in? And a lot of clubs do get that that new manager bounce. Um, West Brom and Steve Bruce haven't had it, and some clubs don't have it. But you know, we we did start well under him. We did see a little few few changes, like I said, you know, different kind of passing, uh, change the shape a little bit, all that kind of stuff. Do you think kind of maybe the players aren't reacting great to his honesty? Just a comparison to, to Dean Smith. This is maybe a little bit of a lazy link of someone that isn't a body more. I don't, I don't know how the, the players were treated and how they're, how they're treated now. But it kind of seemed that Dean Smith was a, an arm around the shoulder, let's be mates, and Gerard is digging people out in interviews and saying, we're not good enough, we need to be better. Do you think maybe some of the players are thinking, 
as much as that Steven Gerrard, the the legendary football player, you're a rookie manager, mate, like, you know, leave off kind of thing. Is that fair, maybe, that somebody is thinking, you know, why are you digging me out for? You've only been here three months. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think what's the reason for the change of why we're all suddenly now like sludging around the pitch going this is this is a bit I just grim. Think, I don't know, I just think, think people get people get comfortable, don't they? You know, you, all of a sudden when somebody comes in, your new, new boss comes in, you gotta <laughs> be careful because I've got a new boss at work. You, you know, <laughs> Your new boss comes in. You actually start doing some work. You, you know, you actually you actually flat out full at it, aren't you? And then you know, once you once you settle and you know what's you know you, you know what you're dealing with. But I wouldn't have thought Gerald would have allowed that. You know, well, that's what we keep saying that Gerald's got these high standards but, and he, he won't accept it. And that we've had now three three defeats that uh, three three results haven't been great. And we're going, Stephen Gerald's got better standards than that. He, he won't accept players not not giving their all, and then we see players not giving their all, and we think, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here then? But I don't, I don't think it's a case of players necessarily tossing it off and not giving their all either. I just think, the, you know, the the system that that has worked in some games has clearly not worked in other games, and it's Gerard, you know, is Gerard trying to put in place a system? that requires better players or different players and trying to ask things of, of players that, that, that aren't capable of doing it. I don't know. I think it's a little bit of that. I don't think it's a case of them not playing for the manager or them, them, them not caring particularly. I just think that they're, they're not quite, not quite in tune with what they need to do. Um, it's, it's such a villa thing. And some, somebody, I think somebody might be Martin Lawrence or somebody, Tweeted saying, you know, the last few weeks Gerard's had his eyes open properly to what it's what it's like being asking a manager, uh, because you know it's gone from the sublime to the ridiculous at times. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've run out of steam. I think. Yeah, there's a comment here that this is just the perfect way to end it because we we all go around in circles. It says we've won one in eight, and you're now saying, of course, we'll win forty four in fourteen to end the season. It's kind of like well, we won four and six under Gerard's first first few games, so you can pick and choose like what part of the season you want you want to support, whatever side you want, can't you? One winning eight is grim, I understand that, but like these things always always happen. Does that mean we're only going to win? So if you're saying we're not going to win four in fourteen, are we only going to win three in twenty two? Like that that's that's ridiculous as well, isn't it? Like. I, we can come back to this at the end of the season, obviously. And if we are relegated, they'll be they'll deserve to go down. It'll be a disgusting relegation f- from this point because we shouldn't be anywhere near it. Not get relegated. No, but th- this is what people are saying in the comments. People genuinely, we are in danger, and we- that we won't win those. We need nine or ten points to be guaranteed, and that takes us to to thirty eight, thirty nine, forty. We're we really not going to get more than that. Are we going to be struggling around 32, 33 points? We're not going to pick another six points up for the remaining four. Oh, it's just stupid, isn't it? Like, that's what I mean. I don't really want to even get sucked into it because it's the thought of only getting six points for the remainder of the season. It's silly. Before I go, because I like to bring some light relief, do you like egg mayonnaise? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to mention this. Now, we've got 400 viewers. Let's see how many drop off now. Now the, now the, now the football's out of the way. Do I like egg mayonnaise, did you say? Yeah. I do like egg mayonnaise, yes. Why? No, just because I had an egg mayonnaise sandwich yesterday and it's one of them things where you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want it every single day. But when you have it, you think, oh, this is quite pleasant. 
<laughs> I was just trying to uh, I was trying to suss whether every, anybody else kind of occupied that headspace and, and was similarly impressed by Aguanes as, as an occasional snack or a sandwich filling. And it really divides people. Really, really divides people. Yeah, some some people say, "Oh, yeah, lovely bit of crest, bit of granary bread," you know, bit of this, bit of that. Oh, and some people are saying, like, it's like kind of you know, licking sick off a piece of wheel bread or whatever. Um, I just wonder where you were at with it. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of those two options. I wouldn't have it with cress and granary bread, but I wouldn't also describe it as sick either. I, I like it, but like you say, like, you wouldn't have it every day. Like you could have a cheese sandwich or a ham sandwich most days, but you couldn't have egg mayo all the time. What would, you have it, what would you have it on then? What kind of bread? I prefer white, white bread. bread for sandwiches. Yeah, it's not great for the for the, the waistline, but it's the best bread, isn't it? White. Best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> yeah, there's a few comments. Oh, there's a, the, there's 10 people that have left, but there are a lot of comments all of a sudden that people do care about it. Uh, Eggmire is rank. Let's get some of these up on screen now. I'm actually in control on mouse. Eggmire and crisp, beautiful. Eggmire or mayo on its own is revolting. There's a lot of people that don't like mayonnaise. I suppose that's where the, the problem is. Uh, yeah, that was actually it. There wasn't as many as I thought there was. They came through quickly. Um, what about came, with... Um... Came here for football talk, talk joined here, egg mayonnaise. We'll rewind... 39 minutes and you'll get your your football talk um and come back to this bit later mayonnaise is one of the most fattening heaps of crap you could ever spoil a sandwich with what about salad cream because somebody suggested me oh, salad yeah. cream and it sounds a bit know. retro for me egg mayonnaise and salad cream don't like salad cream salad cream is very 70s in it yeah is that right yeah, yeah. my dad likes salad 80s cream. i'm not that old 80s, 80s. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. If you're going to put something like that kind of saucy thing on salad or sandwich or whatever, it's mayonnaise. I don't, I don't get the point of salad cream. Salad cream. What horrible name for a sauce as well. Salad cream. Oh, no way. Um, That'll right, be what it is. Should we do that? <laughs> that's, that's fine. Okay, let's get out of here. Um, thank you very much for everyone who tuned into the Carton Brew Podcast live. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the football chat but uh, do give us your opinions on egg mayonnaise in the comments that's the real talking point as always we'll be back with something in the week our next game is Saturday so we've got a whole week to debrief I don't know whether we'll do come on um, I just want to give a shout out to Dave Dave Bull and Maya or Maya who come all the way over from Sweden today um, to watch the game so imagine that you know I only get to get back to, back to our zone, and I was fed up. So, um, yeah, they're regular regular listeners. They they suffer twice. They watch the Villa and they listen to this listen and watch this podcast. So, big shout out to them anyway. It was a pleasure to meet them today. You'd be absolutely gutted, wouldn't you, coming over? I mean, let us know in the comments if you watch this far. What was their names? Dave and something. Dave and Dave Maya. And was Maya. It? Or Maya. Eleven Maya. Yeah. If you are watching this, give us a shout in the comments. You must be absolutely gutted to come over from Sweden for that that game in particular. Like if you had the Leeds three three, you'd at least go, Oh yeah, exciting six goals. That was poor today though, wasn't it? So yeah, let's get out of here before we get stuck into it again. Matt, thanks for your time on Saturday night as always. Thanks for the comments and the people watching along. Um we'll be back something in the week. I don't know whether it'll be you know more Watford related nonsense or whether we'll look ahead to Brighton and how we can beat them, maybe. Let's just let's say that. Um so yeah, thank you very much for your time and we'll catch you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.